Hello and welcome back to Sex and Light, the podcast of the human sexuality. Today we have author and uh, event organizer Samantha Frey here. Hello. Hello. How's everything? Good, and I'm really happy you said my name correctly. I, I, you know, S- Samantha is pretty easy to figure out how to say. It's the next it's, one. It's the next one, yeah. Burgunder, right? It's, no, see, I'm just reading it wrong specifically. <laughs> so, a lot of your your uh, you know you've written a really good book, not your mother's playground. Uh, you're organizing these these events um, that are all uh, polyamorous related, mm-hmm. uh, and we we've had other polyamorous uh, guests on, but I'd like to get your take on what you feel polyamorous means. That's a kind of a tricky question because I don't like to anytime I answer a question like that I always put on sort of a sex educator hat so it's hard for me to answer it regarding like what it means to me mm-hmm. specifically it's always don't worry this is what it could mean for you and it could mean for you and it could mean <laughs> something different for everyone well yeah that's you know so so it's rare that I'm ever um, asked to look back at myself about what does that mean I mean for me right now it just means that um, I've been married to my husband for 10 years. We've been together for almost 14, and we nice. date other people. He nice. hasn't for about a year and a half, almost two years, um, which is both really great and really bad. <laughs> because when he does again, it will be a bit of a like shock to the system, um, just because he hasn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's something to get... Yeah, like he's super comfortable with me doing it, yeah. but I'm not at the same level as he is, and I've got to kind of play catch-up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never worry about playing catch-up. Well, not, catch as long as I catch, cut the Catch-up mentally, not not like in a competitive way, but like a mental... So, how did you get involved with the polyamorous uh, lifestyle? Um, It's kind of a weird story. Uh, it always starts with, I was working at Starbucks. Nice. Which one? Uh, St. Clair and Keel. Okay. Yeah, and I always feel kind of gross when I go in there, just because I remember everything and how it all started. <laughs> You'll understand why in a minute. Um, Does pumpkin spice mean very something very different to you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, that's actually quite true. Um, so we were, I was working there, I was 25, uh, 26, okay. I think. And we, my husband and I had talked about swinging because I think it was 2005 when the sex club laws were... Yeah, you know, it were, changed. Yeah. yeah, so there was a thing on TV and I remember they were showing slow-mo on Wicked and we were like, wow, look at that. But yeah, um, but we, we never thought that we'd actually be able to go to the clubs because they made a big deal about how everyone had to be like super attractive and I'm the fat girl and he was the skinny nerd and we we're like, they're not going to let us in. So we just sort of put it behind us. And then I had a customer at Starbucks, and I had actually written about him in my diary. It's like the only diary entry I'd made in like four months, which was hmm. really strange. He left me a note. Instead of a tip. Yeah, he left me a note on the, well, that's a funny joke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she um, got the tip later, Yeah, apparently. I got the tip later. Um, and it just basically said, I look, I know you're married, but if you're interested in finding out what you do to me, Here's my email. Don't tell anyone. So I turned around and was like, oh, my God, look at this note. And then met up with him. Um, Long story short, he used to do a lot of really dirty things to himself in the bathroom at Starbucks while I was there. Hmm. Not always in the bathroom as well. (laughs) Sometimes just sitting there. 
yeah, and it just progressed to that happening, and then us getting a lava life account. You remember lava life? I remember lava life. Is is it still around? I think right? it still exists. You don't really hear much about it, um, but I think they're still building. It's over on the four twenty seven. One of the dragons on dragons, and isn't he the creator of lava life? Really? Isn't that how he got his his claim? He's the the good looking one, the the, the long hair. I, I don't remember their names. Because yeah. only good looking people can use lava life, <laughs> right? Um, so we both had an intimate encounters thing because in the beginning it was very much just about sex. So it was all sex all the time, and then not not all the time. <laughs> well, a lot of the time actually, we were doing pretty okay. And then we met some people who introduced us to the concept of dating, and I was like blown away. Like we can date people. That's weird isn't that isn't that a weird thing to do and then the four of us went to our first poly toronto meetup yeah um but this is like way back when and i love poly toronto now but it was a weird experience yeah like it was this is 2006 like people weren't and it sounds like 2006 should be modern times but it mm-hmm. no no it was not it was um it was a weird time in the poly scene like, there's still a whole lot of in my opinion there's still a whole lot of backwards thinking about sex and sexuality uh Especially when, when dealing with younger people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, it, from from what I've heard, it's like, you know, uh, uh, boys will give in to their urges and, and not meaning harm, I'm sure, will sexually assault a girl. And no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to say, hey, look, let's raise our, our boys with responsibility. Mm. You know? And so when you come up with something like this, mm-hmm. like polyamory, that is just such an even bigger thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And and people just don't know how to deal with it. And related to that, one of the things that I've always found interesting is, um, and I don't know so much if it happens anymore, but it's happened to a whole bunch of people that I've known over the years, that women often have a lot more luck with finding people to date when they are in an open relationship versus the men. And I imagine that if you if you're dealing with that kind of stigma as well, that it's really challenging to male sexuality i i think there's so much and i've said this before there's there's so much confusion for men nowadays mm-hmm. because uh, before the sexual revolution and i mean they really, which one <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know women have, have clawed and, and climbed their way up to to want you know being equals and all that but now we, we have an understanding that women can do anything Right, and women can be the aggressive, and women can be the breadwinners, and all that kind of stuff. So it leaves, I think, most men who aren't as evolved saying, "Well, where do I fit in?" And that's to me is is the so it leaves men feeling uncomfortable and unsure about themselves and their place in the world, sort of like how women have felt for ever, ever, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Um, you see the you see the sympathy on my face, I, <laughs> <laughs> and hear it in my voice. Well, that's like I said. I mean, to, to me, to me, that those are uninvolved men. Yeah, you know, for sure. And uh, the, the difference was though is, by the way, hi, I'm Joseph. I'm the producer. Um, <laughs> when you later, it's like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mad Men, and Mad Men was great for uh, illustrating women's issues and how they've been able to work throughout the decades mm-hmm. to make things better for themselves. Um, but men still looked at women as having things that they had to do, whether it was something as arbitrary as being in the kitchen all day. Mm-hmm. But they were still roles. It was just women didn't appreciate having this amount of roles, and then men got to have the, the greater sum of it. 
So now that more of those roles have been distributed to the women and men feel like those roles have been taken away, they feel like not only do the women get the roles that they've always had, but now they also get some stuff that the men had. So men just feel like their identity is being taken away from them. That's yep. Just... Yep. Like I said last show, Ari DeFranco once said, feminism isn't about equality, it's about reprieve. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty heavy line. Yeah. Let's get back to some fun stuff. <laughs> If we could go off on that tangent, like, do I want to? <laughs> so, was it hard for you to, to write honestly about your sex life? No. No? No. Um, I get asked that, actually, a lot. And people, um, I've almost had arguments with people in the past, like people who are very private, who don't understand that I'm not. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how it happens to me that I just am not private. I think that somewhere deep in my subconscious, I one day realized that, hey, if I am, it's sort of a defense mechanism, I guess. If I'm open about this, and I guess you can probably relate doing stand-up as well. If I'm open about this part of my life, if I'm the one that's talking about it or making a joke about it, which is probably where it first came from back in the day, being yeah. like an insecure fat kid who wasn't, you know, sure what was going on in life. If I'm open about this, then you can't use it against me. Yeah. And that's since evolved into, well, I'm just going to be open about this because um, then there's no hiding. There's no questioning. I don't yeah. have to w- wonder if I'm lying about anything. It's just, here it is. I've always been one from fence. Mm. Well, not always, but, you know, I've learned to because of healthy for me instead of bottling it all up. Yeah. So it's, but yeah, I, I talking about my life or, or talking publicly, if there's a crowd, I'm great. Yeah. You know, if there's no crowd and like, I'm just like, I get really shy, really yeah. much, a, a, very much an introvert. Yeah. You know, without a, a quote unquote microphone. Uh, and an audience. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, I can, I can host the events at, uh, at Oasis. Yeah. And not really worry about it, you know, dressed or undressed or whatever. Someone comes up and, and wants to talk. I've, sometimes I get shy and talk yeah. too much. And I've been the same, I've been the same way. Like I would, I used to have a lot of trouble speaking to people one-on-one. Yeah. Um, I used to trip over my words. Like the idea of actually doing a podcast back in the day, I would have been like, "Are you kidding?" That's all I'm going to sound like. Well, that's, like that's yeah. what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, and to be honest, actually, it's sort of like been my experiences through kink that have helped me get more comfortable with that. Like have helped me become more in control of things that I just just more aware. Yeah, and comfortable with talking about things. The other thing about talking about my sex life. It used to be kind of terrifying when I was originally blogging about it. Like, I started my site back in 2008. Yeah, yeah. And it would be something that I would write. I would just type, 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 put it out there. And then I would get kind of weirded out when people would be like, oh, I read your thing. And it was really great. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no. Someone actually read it. So it was really hard at first. Yeah. And it was especially hard when friends would come up to me and they'd be like, friends who would never talk about anything sex-related. Like, these were my, my baby friends. You know, we would talk about whatever they're babies um <laughs> and then suddenly they'd be like oh yeah how are things going with that with that person and I'm like, what are you talking about how do you know about this um i've gotten over that i think that having a little bit of and this is not to toot my own horn but this once you get on television and you start having media appearances you, you get to get over it really quickly very quickly you know i'm like i'm used to people talking to me i used to hate hearing my voice yeah me too and it's it's weird because some people say I have a really nice voice. Yeah, sounds great. And 
but for me it's just like ew you know and, yeah. and it's like that whole insecurity thing coming out again yeah it's uh karaoke helped that helped me with that karaoke yeah right? i used to do karaoke the other thing that's that's really easy uh, that, that made talking about my sex life easy is as soon as i started to get um not validation from from my stuff but as soon as I was realizing that I was validating other people for their experiences, yeah. like I started getting emails, like you, people would email me their entire life and relationship story and be like, this is what's going on with my life. And thank you for just letting me feel comfortable because no one was really talking about stuff years ago. I think. And that's, that's been huge. Like that's been, that's why I do it. It's like, I'm fine. If I have to talk about something that's really embarrassing or hard for me, but it makes like 10 people feel great. Done. Easy. Yeah. So, and and again, like we were discussing before the show, that's pretty much why we do the show. Yeah. You know, uh, I used to have a website just for me, and, and I had uh, I used to do blogs as well, and it was always cool for me when I got positive feedback. My first blog was about living with depression, mm-hmm. right? And I, I did my whole take on it. And a lot of people really were like, "Yeah, that was very cool." So I completely, yeah, completely just... empathize with. It's like a quiet joy. Yeah. When you find out that you're helping someone. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really nice to offer other people validation. Yeah. You know, it's validating in a way. And like for a person, not just for parking. Yeah. (laughs) That's always important. When, when you publish your book, right? Like your friends would talk to you about it. Yeah. How did your family take it? Um, family were fine. Like there was, like I said, talking about um, being honest is a thing that's very natural for me. So family knew quite early on. Mm. Um, my mom knew. My dad's passed away. My mom knew like eight months into being open. Um, and we've had some interesting speeches, but now she she makes a lot of jokes about, the, especially the title of my book, Not Your Mother's Playground. Like she'll comment on something on Facebook and she'll be like, oh, well, that's certainly not your mother's playground. And she's, <laughs> that's funny. she's taken it and kind of driven it into a wall many times. <laughs> Which is super fun. Um, and my mother-in-law, she, when when we first told her, I think we were in a National Post article in uh, 2008. I think we didn't show her until 2009. Because <laughs> I was a little nervous that she was going to think I was corrupting her son, which is true. Um, but that's part of the fun. Which is true. And then she, she read the article and then she turned to us and she was like, yeah, you know, your father and I used to do the same thing. And he fell off his chair. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. La, 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 la. so family's been fine but i've also been really lucky in that i have um a supportive family i don't come from a a strict upbringing like i I don't i come from a family that's just supporting me with you know i'm privileged in that way yeah well my mom was strict about chores yeah behavior but when it came to, to sex and drugs my sister and i both knew that we could ask her anything yeah anything and she would give us the clinical breakdown yeah, my mom was never really open about stuff. I remember she said to me once when I was 15, she said, I don't care which way you swing as long as you're honest. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of out of character because we didn't talk about sex stuff. Like, I still had to figure things out on my own. Or I found her porn collection when I was 11. Awesome. Which was weird. <laughs> it's yeah. The only thing my dad has ever said to me about sex is if you, you get a woman pregnant, you take care of your kid. It's the only thing he's ever said about sex. It's a good thing to say. It's a yeah. good thing to say, but, you know, to me... The way I was raised, that was kind of a given anyway. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and thank you for reiterating yeah. my, you know, moral beliefs and whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I only tell my parents what, what I feel they can handle. But then because of all my jokes, like 
my mom doesn't come to never came to a lot of my shows mm-hmm. but my dad came to all the ones he could so he heard like my dirtiest jokes and jokes about sex and all you know it's just like it's just yeah was that nerve-wracking at first for you um for me uh being bisexual it was always i was always very anxious when i did anything about sexuality yeah to see how it would be received yeah and unfortunately uh because most people aren't involved um straight comedians can go up and talk about sex but that's it yeah you know yeah uh, so you know it's uh i take stories from my life or i would take stories from my life and try and uh uh gentrify them yeah you know what I'm that's, yeah i mean that's what you do and that's because I, I and i'd have to be like a toned down version of myself on stage yeah my mom asked me um i think a couple of years into me being open she asked me if I, it was random because she lives in england so i don't see her face to face um and i think that our relationship about you know all this openness and sex stuff would be so different if i did see her yeah, and yeah. she just asked me randomly on the phone she's like are you bisexual um <laughs> Which is funny because I I identify now as queer. Mm. Um, I identify as like a two point seven six McKinsey. I'm very specific <laughs> with my very specific with my identifiers. <laughs> I like to pretend that I don't like um, labels, but I have like eighteen of them. Um, anyway, she asked me she, if I was bisexual, and I was like really quick to say what? No, super straight, super duper straight. And I've always found that really interesting. It's like why did I? And now I just talk, I'm like, I'll put yeah. something on Facebook and I'm like, blah, 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 queer, blah, 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 blah. And she's just, you know, ha ha, I like this. It's, <laughs> I, when I was uh, uh, younger and I first started uh, discovering sexuality, uh, people would ask me, you don't sleep with men, huh? They're like, what do you think? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. So my dad asked me once in the car, I was like, what do you think? He's like, I, if I knew, I wouldn't be asking. <laughs> He said, whatever you do, just be safe. That's all yeah. I care about. Other people would have responded the way they did because they, that's just easier for them. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it, right? It's, it's more it's, comfortable. They, they don't have to wrap their head. It's, it's uh, you know, as much as I like to promote sexuality and healthy uh, sexual thinking, I, I don't shove it in people's faces. Yeah. You know, like I know my uncle is very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's to the point that he doesn't have big family dinners because one of my kids is trans. Oh, God. So he'll just be like just the adults. Really? Uh, he's trying. He's yeah. growing. You know, and that's all you can really hope for. I mean, for some people, it's baby steps, and that's an unfortunate thing for um, for a lot of pe- for a lot of communities that have had to deal with oppression for a really, really long time to understand that there is this sort of mainstream side of the world that needs baby steps to get somewhere yeah yeah yeah. um but we're only going to get there with baby steps yeah it's uh, unfortunately unfortunately yeah did you ever feel like that in any kind of situation like with your mom was was it ever like that uh, i like censoring myself yeah i mean yeah i i think that there's a there's sort of an inner battle when you get comfortable with talking about things all the time and forgetting that other people don't. So, you know, like, I can I can stand up on, on stage sometimes and just be like, blah, 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 masturbation. I say blah, blah, blah so much. Mm. Um, something, something, masturbation, and then look around the room and be like, oh, I just, 
there's a lot of people in here that wouldn't ever even say that. Um, but I keep it contextual. So yeah. like, I do it when I'm on stage or I do it if I'm around people that I know can handle it. Yeah. But I personally, um, I mean, I was born in England and raised in Canada. So I've got so much polite running through my veins. And I like to also be really aware of my situation. Like, I really don't like when people swear in public. Really? If other people can hear them. <laughs> I I don't. I don't like when people, like if there's children around, mostly, yeah. or, or older people, I just, I like, I don't like putting other people in um, an uncomfortable space. It's one of the reasons why I don't like to have sex in public bathrooms anymore. Because, anymore. <laughs> anymore. Because I realize it's like I'm, I'm putting someone into a space where they haven't consented to be a part of this. I got a blowjob in a Starbucks buff bathroom. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Is this all just the one Starbucks? Really, really got to go to that one next time we go to the studio. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so talking about things openly is is one thing, but knowing your audience and just being aware of of other people's level of comfort. Yeah, Um, you know, I'm I'm when I when I go back to go back going back to the baby steps thing. I mean, there are certain things in in life that we do have to push for, and we have to take some big, like massive steps and stomp on people who are uncomfortable. Yeah. but there's still some baby steps in sort of our everyday interactions. Do you think maybe uh, uh, gay pride has taken it too far? Oh, that is a whole political question that I I don't even want (laughs) to... As far as, you know, like, they want to represent, you know, we're fun and we're cool and and no need to be afraid of us, but then you have all the nude people at pride and that... Well, I think pushes conservative people even farther away. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate when you see people who, um, like, what's his name? That school trustee, Sam. Teaching. Sam, Sam Bigot McBigotton. Okay. Um, and he was talking about, you know, we want to stop the, the nudism at, at Pride. Um, because the problem, the problem with stuff like that is that, conservatives will jump on it and make it the only issue yeah but the problem isn't the people who were naked the problem it's easy to it's easy to say that it's easy to say well maybe the people shouldn't be naked but the problem is with the people who are conservative and who just can't expand their minds yeah and can't accept a new body as being yeah. a thing of beauty yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> but you know it's like, always fun to ask those questions just to see how people react and it's like because it's 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 such a hot topic still. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I have gay friends that don't bother with pride. They're like, eh, it's for the kids. Well, pride is such a, <laughs> pride is so many things. And I think that to have a conversation about, to ask like, one question about pride and expect to be able to just have like one answer about pride is almost impossible because it's a huge umbrella of so many different things. Mental note. We should do a round table for yes, pride. Yes, you should. Next, uh, okay. next year. Okay, to take in. Uh, in the brain. <laughs> you should do a few of them. I mean, you, you could, you've you've so smoked many... way less weed than I have in my life. And, Catching up. You know. <laughs> but your memory's better than mine, is all I'm saying. So just, you know. <laughs> you have a pen in your hand right now. I, I do have a pen in my hand, but it's mostly <laughs> just because, you know. Uh, comfort. Comfort. Yeah. Because I, I haven't smoked in 10 years? Nine and a half, ten 10 years, something like that. Marijuana. No, cigarettes. Oh. Cigarettes. <laughs> what? No, marijuana is 12 hours ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, has has writing about polyamorous uh, helped you grow as a person? Do you think? Oh God, yeah. But not just writing, like being. Yeah. Um, writing. I mean, writing the book helped me grow as a writer. I learned a lot about like the Oxford comma, which is so. Now I'm a really anal writer. Like every time I see anything written down that's not correct, I get really upset with grammar. <laughs> like I've become that person. Grammar um, Nazi, yeah. Yeah, but in, in terms of growing as a person, and it's like, how could you not? grow as a person if you are forcing yourself to talk about everything that you want and don't want and i think being all honest the time yourself, I, for me when i was younger i you know i had that idea of a marriage you know woman man whatever you know and I, was, I was raised around you know uh gays and being mm-hmm. open about that but you know so for me when when i'd given to my urges to cheat on my partner I get really down on myself at first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me a long time to get to a point where I was like, no, this is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's, uh, it's a part of who I am. What, cheating? Sleeping around, yeah. yeah. You know, being honest about it is much, much better. When you, when you say okay, I mean, what do you mean by okay? Because well, I, one I'm, aspect cheating is not supposed as opposed to be acceptable. To, as opposed to demonizing myself. Okay. I yeah, I mean I get that because I'm I mean I'm a person who preaches about ethical non-monogamy and being open and honest all the time. But since being non-monogamous, one of the things that I have learned, I mean going you asking me learning about myself, I've also learned so much about cheating and people who cheat and everybody else. And everybody else. And it's been actually really fascinating to understand and because I used to see cheating as very black and white. Um and it's it's actually really it's, it's, not it's a slippery slope yeah it's it's really i mean there are those people who are who do it because um they get off on the whole cheating like just specifically the cheating aspect but secrecy are, of it and all that yeah then there's a lot of people who um who are in relationships with people that they really really love and there's absolutely no chance that they're going to have anything that's open but they have these things that they feel and you know as someone who i get it i have things that i feel and that i need um i probably would have ended up cheating eventually like if i had figured out all of this stuff before yeah. being open all the stuff i needed i probably would have well what were you like before you got married did you like boyfriend girlfriend that's it i mean i've never, I've never been a, and i've never been a traditional person um we got married not really for traditional reasons my dad was sick and we knew that he was going to die and so we wanted him to be there at the wedding. Yeah. Just in case five years down the road, I decided that I actually cared about weddings. And then I was like, well, now my dad's not around. Yeah. So yeah. it was more of a, well, we might as well. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, I mean, my, my That's husband. That's pretty sweet, though. That's a very sweet thing for you to do for your dad. Yeah. And for, yeah. My husband, uh, Steph, we've been together. He's kind of been my main boyfriend. I had a few before, a couple of people here and there, but nothing really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing really. So, um, I've kind of forgotten the question. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of went off and then paused. No, well, we were talking about, you know, has it helped you grow as a person, cheating yeah. and all that. Uh, what was I like? I mean, I was very, I've always been very much in the moment. I was never very much about the future, but I could never see my, I could never honestly say before that I could be with my husband forever. Yeah. Um, the idea of like forever and the soulmates and all that bullshit, just like, upset me and made me want to throw up um but actually recently i've realized that i 
I can see us as forever now, and it's because we are such a team. Yeah. We're such a team when we talk about everything. That's like, of course you're going to be around all the time. I feel that the term partner is thrown around too loosely. Yeah. You know, because are they really a partner? Are they just someone that you're with, right? Yeah, I I mean, but... uh, Are you working towards common goals? Because that would be a partnership. Or are you just a sex partner? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, there needs to be like an adjective and contextual word before that to describe what you're talking about yeah well that's it's kind of yeah. like the word love that yeah it's thrown around a lot too a lot know? more nowadays especially with social media i've noticed i love rice krispies treats yeah like so many i love my daughter different levels yeah. of love so really. advertising a lot and uh sorry i love it a lot in advertising the yeah cup had well, I, think, I think they still say there's a love in every cup really love really that yeah. same painful feeling i felt all throughout high school it's here <laughs> in this cup <laughs> Poured okay. by someone who makes you know minimum wage and no tips. Yeah. People on Twitter like say things like "I love you so much" all the time. We've never met. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thanks, but I do think it is easier to love things the, the more you grow as a person because you understand more of who you are, so and you know what it does. Of love too, yeah, right. You know, I mean, this is it kind of goes back to um, the question about my mom. Like, I told my mom way back in the day that I was in love with one of my friends. One of my best friends at the time, um, I was madly in love with her, but it wasn't a romantic love. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't explain that to my mom because for me it was just like I'm just so in love with her because I love being around her. Um, love I really her inspired energy, yeah. her. I love her energy. Everything about her is just so super great. So my mom, um, when I fir- when I finally came out and told her that we were that we were poly, non-monogamous at the time, I didn't identify as poly. Um, she's like, "Is it? Are you with? Are you with that girl?" Because, you know, you told me that you were, and she was very, hesitant. Yeah. I was like, what? And it just was really surprising to me. I was like, no, I just love her. It's very different. <laughs> it was a weird, weird chat. So you, you uh, produce a lot of different shows. And, yep. You know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so let's talk about some of those. Uh, you do something called uh, Tell Me Toronto? Tell Me Something Good. Tell Me Something Good. Tell Me Toronto is the, is the Twitter name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Tell Me Something Good started... Do you know Sophie Delancey? If you don't, you should. Okay, no. Uh, Sophie Delancey, um, she's one of the team at theartofblowjob.com. Nice. Yeah. Um, Sophie and I have known each other for a few years. And in January, she was in L.A. for the uh, AVN Awards. Uh, No, that's in Vegas, right? That's in in Vegas, yeah. She was in L.A. for something porn. Something, something porn. Um, And there's a storytelling event there called Body. Okay. And body storytelling brings together a bunch of sex educators, like Dan Savage has been there, Reed Mahalko, um, lots of big names in sex education, and people pay. It's sort of like a performance thing where people, it's like a curated show. People come and uh, talk about sex. She came back to Toronto um, in January and was like really inspired by that. And I was thinking, I wanted to do a body because I had been in touch with a woman in LA and like we want to do something. But we decided to take it in a different direction. And just give people the stage. So it's not a curated show. Sophie and I stand up on stage and we um, tell a story based on the theme. We have our judges. We have different judges. We've had judges from like porn, uh, sex work community, um, so many people involved in sexuality, but also different people, like people who are involved in like, there's one woman who writes young adult novels. She was a judge and we're just trying to vary it up. Um, the judges tell stories, and then we just invite the crowd, and it's sort of like a Price is Right thing, like put your name in a hat. That's cool. Yeah. Then we have a theme, and 
we had a hundred people the first time around at the Beaver. We do them now monthly at the Gladstone. Nice. Um, and we get anywhere between sixty and a hundred people every time. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's been really really neat. I mean, we get a lot of regulars. We also get a lot of people who come out for the first time every every single month. Our best themes were butt stuff. People really <laughs> loved butt stuff. Like there was a high demand for butt stuff and kink. Yeah, my my partner's done a couple. Uh, prostate massage seminars yeah at oasis yeah yeah so she'd have some stories probably yeah, yeah. She, has, she has a lot of stories yeah so it's like <laughs> it's just people from the crowd and sometimes it's people who have never spoken who've never gotten on stage before who have never done anything like that and then suddenly they're on stage talking about that time they sucked a guy off in behind like a in an alleyway or something and then you see them just being like wow this is really empowering um and it's such a supportive room, and we have prizes that are donated from the community. And well, that's cool. Yeah. Have you ever uh, ever gone to the storytelling Plansky's? Never gone to it. I've I've wanted to. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's I used to do improv stuff there. I, yeah. I'd ask the audience for a noun. Okay. And I would tell a story about that noun. Yeah. Sometimes made up, sometimes not. You know. Nice. It's... These all have to be real stories. Like the whole the whole point of it is um, is the reality of it so yeah. we give people the theme like at least a month out um and i am always struggling like the day of i'm back i can't, I can't decide what story to tell really yeah. oh we can't decide or just can't, just can't decide <laughs> i have a whole lot of stories about golden showers which one is yeah. best <laughs> yeah which which one do i want to tell tonight mm. but it's but it's really fun just to get people on stage and sophie and i just kind of um like riff off of each other yeah you know back and forth um and it's fun because i never used to be comfortable on stage as well and then I just threw myself in front of 100 people talking about the first time I sucked a dick. And there you go. You get comfortable pretty quick. That, yeah. that, that is something. First time I was on stage, like really on stage, uh, I was in a band. I was a singer for some fucking reason. <laughs> I don't have a really nice singing voice. So, yeah, we were in a band. And our first gig was a Canada Day gig at Monarch Park. Okay. So... Never performing in front of anybody but but the girlfriends. That's terrifying. We went there and there was 250, 300 people. That's seriously. And and I forgot lyrics to a song I wrote. Oh no! It was so hor- not my worst time on stage. It's good that you got back up on stage after but, that. But but not necessarily my best. And then I started doing a lot of karaoke when I started yeah. hanging out in the the gay community because there was a lot of gay yeah, karaoke yeah. and and uh, I was dating a bunch of trans and drag queens and all that so that's karaoke really helps for confidence like the two things that i can say really helped me was like my journeys as a submissive and karaoke (laughs) they've never combined yet 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 i had long hair i was i had 27 waist yeah and hair down to it so i'd go on stage and do like knocking on heaven's door of course he did Axel Rose, yeah, right? of course. The fuck, he's the, the man. I did karaoke at Young and Dundas Square in front of about five hundred people. Nice. Yeah, um, it was an event that I organized. It was part of a five day festival. I'd been awake for like, I don't know, fifty eight hours at that point. I'm like, I'll sing some Bon Jovi. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I got over things pretty quick there too. <laughs> yeah. Didn't talk about sucking a dick though. No. At Young and Dundas Square. It's <laughs> another day. Tell me something good. We'll we'll come there. We'll come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing like, it. We can just grab a blanket right now. Head down there if you want. <laughs> Amazing. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I wonder how many more years it's gonna be until somebody does the first dick sucking story 
Uh, you haven't done Dask Wear. I, I want to get ahead of that shit, see? Yeah. Because I, I am proactive. Be a pioneer. Pioneer. <laughs> what is TKC? <laughs> the TKC is, uh, I laughed when I saw that question, because um, I do a lot of projects. So, at the end of the day, I would like to open a tiki bar. Okay. Um, that's my, I have a thing. You, you can't see it when you're listening on the radio, but I have a, I have a tiki thing on my cool. arm. Can we take a picture and post it later? Sure. It's not my best tattoo, but. Um, so the tiki stuff is just something that I'm really, really into. And this year I turned 34 and I had this moment of uh, kind of losing my shit. My mom was 34 when she gave birth to me, and when I was growing up, I was like, 34, that's so old, because everyone else's parents were a lot younger. Mm. And then I turned 34, and I'm like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And it was like, have a baby, open a bar. Open a bar. Right? That's what everybody... If you do both, it's a TV show. Yeah, then that would be... A... Then I'd get paid, at least. Yeah. Well, not really. Um so I'm leaning toward open the bar, opening the bar. So I had my first pop-up event in the summer. We had 140 people come out. Um, it was really... Last summer was my freak out because I turned 40. Yeah, that's a freak so. out time too. 34, like... is, 34 is a freak out time for women. No RRSPs, no career, just trying to get by my charm and good looks. <laughs> so that kind of leaves me with charm. Okay, so not so much charm. Uh, <laughs> you're you're, you're just glad I'm here is what you're saying. Sorry? You're just glad I'm here. That's I'm just glad Joe's here. <laughs> I haven't been to Hawaii Bar, but I've I've been by it and it doesn't it's not super tiki. No, but it's it's got a bit it's kinda neat. When I say tiki though, I mean like like there's a there's a, apparently a tiki rock bar opening up in Leslieville, maybe. I really? Think. I've heard through the grapevine, through my sort of connections under the sea. Um but yeah, I mean I want a tiki divey authentic thing like we take this shit really seriously <laughs> my whole house like i have a lot of stuff oh really oh yeah very tiki yeah I you like walk around the house in a grass skirt no no um <laughs> i get too cold Did you bury pork out back and cook it okay maybe i'm not that serious <laughs> <laughs> i got a lot of mugs try, try to find the level of seriousness <laughs> about the tiki i have a lot of syrups that most people couldn't pronounce for pancakes <laughs> no, for drinks. For drinks. <laughs> drinks with pancakes? Uh, Yeah, always. Always. So the TKC has absolutely nothing to do with sex and sexuality. It's just like a thing. Except for people maybe meeting there and hooking up. Well, eventually I'd, I'd love to find a bar. I, first of all, I need some money. So this could be me saying, like, I want to open a bar next year is completely irrelevant if I have no money. Um, <laughs> and maybe something for six years down the road. It may be a never time dream. I mean, yeah. I'm just, like, determined for it to be next year, but... If I don't have two hundred thousand dollars, then oh well, oh well, oh well. That's um, that's how I feel. I want to open up a comic book shop. Yeah. Yeah. So, because this area doesn't have one. Oh uh, yeah. And I'd probably make really movable money. Yeah, but do you have a stockpile? Nope. Well, then you probably shouldn't open a comic book probably shop. Just start with new stuff and yeah, get a stockpile so. as you go along. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I have all my own comic books. Yeah. But uh, see, that's the like. I have a, I buy things for the bar <laughs> that doesn't exist yet. But so then you just I'm put like, it like a storage or something? Or? No, I just put it in my house. <laughs> just use it as an So your, your husband's in the tiki stuff too? Yeah, we're, we're, um, it's funny being, going back to polyamory, cause that's sort of what we're here to talk about. Um, 
being poly made us really realize how separate like we are as people because before we used to listen to the same music we used to do all the same stuff like we'd go to ikea for dinner and go to home depot and watch hgtv and we were super boring and white um and now we then we like realized hey we like to do all these other things like you want to go and see broken social scene and i hate them you go with that girl you're fucking that'll be fun <laughs> and then over time then we just realized hey we actually like all the same things again and now we've kind of come back to being the same person but with our own identities that we yeah, have yeah. to discover again that's pretty cool yeah because we were together for like six and a half years before opening up so we were just like this solid block of my, my partner person. doesn't like horror movies Oh, how could you not? I don't understand how people can't like horror movies. She, she like, doesn't like seeing people in pain. So They haven't seen the right kind of horror movie. <laughs> horror movies is pretty busy, broad generalization. I, I, I put on Maximum Overdrive once. I'm forced her to sit through that. Which, which is easy because it's ACDC all through it. <laughs> so I have a question about uh, your, uh, your polyamory with uh, you and your husband. Okay. Would you say over the uh, over the course of the six years before you came to that decision, was it a gradual uh, realization, no. or did it just kind of no? Happen? It just it just happened. the The, the only thing that was gradual went was when the um, the sex club stuff became legal in two thousand and five, and that was when we started talking about swinging. And we had um, I was still working at I was working at Starbucks then. That was when I first started. And we were having some we had some parties. And like my coworker brought over a bunch of people and they all turned into spin the bottle. But that was it. We were like, oh, kissing other people. We'd always been really open about that person's attractive, that person's attractive, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't, I, this is a, this is a confession that anytime I teach a non-monogamy workshop, I always start with just to gauge um, how people feel in the room. And then it, I see the look on their faces. They're like, oh shit, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I didn't know what the word monogamy was. Until I was non-monogamous. I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> I cannot pronounce monotony at all. Monopoly. <laughs> Mahogany. One, so, Fuck, one like of those. That. Do you want me to edit it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, just put in the right word. Yeah, um, so so it was just like, it was a total 180, like, okay, now we're going this direction. Um, which is weird, because for a lot more people, it's very gradual. Um, especially younger people who have grown up with hearing about non-monogamy all the time. And I'm just like, nope, we just got married and that was the path that we were on. And then suddenly, boom, fucking other people. Like, <laughs> it's quite switched. It happened just that easily. Yeah. How long have you been producing the Playground Conference? This is year four. Year four? Yeah. And how did you come to produce it? Um, Playground started because... Um, I booked, I would guess. Sort of. I... Yeah, I don't actually even remember. There was, there's a conference that used to be called Momentum. It's now called Catalyst um, okay. in Washington and L.A. And uh, I think I went there or I was going there to speak, I think. Um, I was inspired by them and I just decided, I was looking around at Toronto and Toronto has all these separate communities of like, here's the queer community, here's the kink community, here's the this, here's the that. Um, and everyone has their own events and everyone does their own separate stuff. It's funny, even in those subcultures, there's still there's still there's, now, there's the gay community and there's the leather gay community yeah. and the trans gay community yeah there's, there's so many community. little silos right and in my in my Ooh, career like in my so, career at the time i was also um i still am working in digital media okay and i was running events for digital media where i was seeing like this the games community and the advertising and i was just seeing silos all the time 
And I was looking at my own life and realizing that I'm a person who dabbles in kink but doesn't necessarily want to go to kink things all the time mm. because I don't believe that I should have to listen to this specific type of music and wear this specific colored leather and do all these things to enjoy kink. I don't believe that I should have to go to munches if I don't want to. I can still have this in my life. Um, the same with non-monogamy. I don't have to do all of these things all the time. So if I'm a person that dabbles in lots of different communities, there's got to be other people. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted Playground to be a place where if you are somebody that is maybe afraid of a big leather daddy at a kink event, but you're curious about something and you want to find a place to go where maybe other people are going to be sort of on your level, Yeah. maybe you could come here and then maybe you could learn about something else and then maybe you could learn about that. And it's, we try to be as inclusive as possible. And I mean, that's, that's challenging because um, my co-producer, JP, um, JP Robichaud and I, we come from white backgrounds, white privileged backgrounds. Um, so it's hard for us to program mm. um, and be as inclusive as possible. We, we try. Yeah, well, that's all you can do. Yeah, that's... and and over the years we open we've opened it up so much to the community. And this year we're doing something actually brand new where we've given carte blanche to three different people to just talk about things that we aren't experts on. Mm. So um, Sonia from the Keyhole Sessions has put together a panel to talk about sex work. Nice. And sex work in the media. Um, we've got Jeff Pereira from What Makes the Man Conference. He's talking about um, how to be a good ally from specifically for men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Sophia Banks, who's a trans activist, who's talking about cis-normativity and a bunch of things. So we're like, here, guys, we normally program other sessions a little bit more closely with the speakers. And this time we're like, these are issues that you you just do. you Whatever you want, it's it's your session. Yeah. Um, and it feels really good this year to be doing that, to be just giving it up a bit. And for the listeners who don't know what cis means, it, it means the natural what you were born as, right? That your sex and gender. Yeah, sex um, and gender match. match. Yeah. Um, we won't say natural. We won't say natural? Okay. No. <laughs> no, it seems a little... Because other people whose sex and gender don't match wouldn't say that they're unnatural. I, know, I say they're all natural. Sex is sex. It's, it's a reaction. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, it's to me, it's very normal. Any kind of sexuality. It's, uh, you know, as long as you know what you want. Yeah. And everybody's consenting. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. So what kind of things can someone expect from the Playground Conference? Um, lots of stuff. We On the Friday nights, uh, Friday night's always free because um, we try to make it so that people can come out. We actually have a lot of people who are like, what's this event? And they show up and they check it out and then they end up buying tickets for the whole weekend, which is cool. Um, so our keynote is Kaylee Trace. She's a disabled queer author from Nova Scotia. Um, I saw her do a re- actually I did a reading with her once um, recently, and she's just she's so funny. Um, cool. That I just wanted her to be on stage. And then we have tell me we're actually doing tell me something good on the Friday because it's like why would I program two events separately when I can combine them and get some sleep? <laughs> so we're doing tell me something good as part of Playground. So this this time it's people's best sex stories and then we've just got an entire weekend of um, workshops and panels and presentations on gender and kink and on making porn natural contraception uh, finding queer community vibration play body positivity blah 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 and poly toronto is actually polyamory toronto this year um, has sort of 
branched on or joined up with us in a way to deliver four sessions. Cool. Is um, Eva going to do those? Eva's, yeah, Eva's organizing it. So on the nice. Saturday, there's four sessions. There's the Poly 101 panel. Um, Heather is doing the myths that I used to believe about Poly. I'm actually doing a session that is the last session to be titled on the schedule because I'm too um, busy to do it. But it's going to be something about like how polyamory isn't all um, flowers and bunnies and how there's I mean, I'm basically just going to talk about all the bad shit yeah because there's a lot of bad shit and people just yeah, people just don't talk people about don't it. talk about it so I'm going to talk about the bad thing and then there's going to be um, a panel at the end about coming out as poly so that's cool so it's the first time that we're doing like a separate sort of stream it's like an experiment for us yeah yeah it's uh, it's been hard for, for my partner to get into the poly lifestyle yeah because her cat doesn't want her to <laughs> <laughs> She's very greedy with her time, really. That's cats. That, that's cats. Yeah. Where can people find out more about the Playground Conference and buy tickets? Uh, so you can go to playgroundconf.com. That's C-O-N-F, as in Frank. It took me a long time to think. Um, or Playground Conf on Twitter or Playground Conference on Facebook. Nice, nice. And uh, what's your time like? You can edit that out. The pause helps me find it. I have about five minutes. Okay. You have five minutes left? Yep. Cool, cool. This is really going well. Yeah. Flying by. Did you have anything that you would have liked us to ask you, or did you want to make sure you want to get out? We could talk about the book a little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Like so, why I wrote it and what it is. And sure, yeah. So, uh, um, we talk about your book. Let's talk about the book. Tell me about the book. <laughs> okay. Um, so I decided years ago, so this is similar to Playground. I started Playground because Playground doesn't exist. And I started Tell Me Something Good with Sophie because it didn't exist. I do a lot of things in life because they don't exist. Yeah. And at the time when I, uh, when I first opened up and I was reading like The Ethical Slut and a couple of other sort of more fringy poly specific books that are always in purple. Mm. Like the poly section of the bookstore is always purple. That's funny. Weird. Purple's my favorite color. It's actually my favorite color too, but it frustrated me. It was like a, I'm a designer by by background, so I get really annoyed when. Anyway, I can go on a tangent about <laughs> book design, and but I won't. Um, so th I was noticing that there wasn't a book that felt, you know, just like I was talking about the session that I'm going to do at Playground, which is all about like the, all the shit that happens in poly um, and non-monogamy. I don't like to just say poly because there's people who don't identify that way all the time, but. There wasn't a book that talked about the real, like the reality of stuff, and I'm very much um, I, I identify as an optimistic, realistic cynic, which all doesn't really work, but it does work. Glass half full, yeah, but it's half full of shit. Mm. Yeah. Who the fuck put the glass there? So, yeah. Yeah. Give me a fucking fresh glass. Um, so the book for me is reading the ethical slut. It's like a modern, conversational, realistic version like i use myself and my husband's stuff as examples throughout the entire thing mm -hmm. um how and did he feel about that he has learned he has been so good at um i've i have dragged him on so many like tv things and radio and and newspapers and he like there's an article about us in toronto life <laughs> a big like four page article oh really oh yeah with pictures and everything so He's, he's been good. <laughs> I've been lucky. He's, he's been supportive, he's, right? He's been supportive. 
So, um, I mean, he gets it. He understands that this is a thing now that I do. So I wanted the book to be a safe space for people where I wasn't saying, you should definitely do this and you should, you know, certainly, like, there's no absolutes in there besides yeah. don't be a dick. Um, it's just maybe this applies to you, possibly, probably, perhaps, you know, it's, the, it's that kind of book. And it's it goes back to what we were talking about, offering validation for people. So I go through it. It is still like a self-help book. It's like, here's how you deal with polylogistics. Here's how you deal with jealousy. Here's how you deal with breakups, blah, blah, blah. Um, so other than your own relationship, where did you find other references to pull from? I mean, I, 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 um, I, did, a, I did a informal survey um online i've been pretty ridiculously active on twitter and facebook for years and years so in terms of community like i know a lot of people and i've spoken at enough events i took five years to write the book with a year off in between so i Mm. like i made sure that when i wrote it it was sort of at the top of my learning curve um versus at the bottom like when i first started i was Mm. learning way too much for it to be accurate so i had to change so much um but i i know a lot of people and i'm a pretty good people observer as well so i can see like what's going on in other people's relationships and what seems to be a trend i like people watching yeah i'm i love people watching so and being a good people watcher has been really really helpful for me in everything that i do because i while i'm using my experience as my main sort of um base point um, I'm also observe, like talking about what am, I, what am I seeing in culture? What are other people doing? Like what's going on? So that's hopefully what the book is. And maybe in five years the book will be dated. Um, I'm hoping not. <laughs> maybe. Well, you always do a next edition. Yeah, like there's there's some Second things. I, have a, I actually have a 16-page glossary at the end of the book, which probably took almost <laughs> the most amount of time. It's one of the most thorough sex glossaries that you will ever find online like i actually have it on my website and there's still things that i need to add and change like i didn't i didn't even know what um cis normativity was so i have to add that and the glossary glossary the glossary so if you go in my book at the end um there's a 16 page glossary that took a long time and it's the most thorough glossary that you'll probably ever find on anything that's... i think it's it's a good thing though that it would need updating because then oh, it shows yeah. that things are progressing for sure for sure it's just um it's 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 more me complaining that I don't want to have to update it because mm. it, took, <laughs> it took so long it's such to a finish. It's, it's funny because I w- I've always been really good at writing essays. Yeah. But I've been horrible at keeping a nice bibliography. It's just... <laughs> that stuff is but hard. My, my teacher, one of the last papers I ever wrote in school, my teacher was like, okay, it's university level paper, but without footnotes. Or, or anything is I'm like yeah well you know yeah you just gotta trust me I know my sources yeah <laughs> and apparently that doesn't lionize I'm the same way like I'm just like I just know things I just I I just know them I heard it from this guy yeah why would I write fact. it down yeah that's it yeah I'm the same way <laughs> but trust me the stuff in the book is valid the stuff in the book is <laughs> and valid. it comes you know I, it, it's not just me it is it is some good observation and I reference a lot of other books as well oh yeah the ones that I like. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, yes. and the ones that I don't like as well, um, but the ones that I like in particular. So, are there illustrations? No. I'm so used to reading comic books, I hardly pick up anything without pictures. Yeah, no, there's no illustrations. Um, I've only just been weaned off picture books, pop-up books. Th- well, this yeah. is a. It's... There's, it's like a big font though with a big margin, so it's it's easy. 
there's lots of spots where you can, you know, like imagine things, I guess. But just act yeah. them out. Yeah. Take pictures. Yeah. Post them on your website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, here's my comment. Look at this doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eli, I do believe it's high time to wrap up. Is it high time to wrap up? We can edit that part out too. Uh, or not. I'm just telling you to wrap okay. up. <laughs> So bossy, eh? Yeah, what a producer wow, type. Like Goodness. Job or <laughs> you make a good AD because I think they're all important too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just fucking was with that you. a dance move? It, it was. No, 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 this is actually the, I know, uh, the... I know, but it just looks like a dance move. <laughs> oh, I, this is, it's, it's part of my, my, my lineup. Yeah? I got this in the fishing rod. Yeah, that's a good one too. That, that'll, that'll work. <laughs> Great track record. <laughs> so Playground Conference happens November 7th to November 9th. Yep, November 7th to 9th. And we'll at be... the Holiday Inn Downtown Center. So nice. Like right next to the village. Uh, Holiday Inn at Jarvis and Carlton? No, Carlton and Young. Oh, Carlton and Young. Yeah, right across from the Golden Griddle. There you go. People know it when I say that. <laughs> I used to go to that Golden Griddle all the time. Yeah. Well, not all golden the time. Golden Griddles are landmarks. Once yeah, a month. Yeah, I use it as a landmark, yeah. and it's actually... Yeah, I use it as still a, a golden It's more griddle. of a test. And people yeah. are like, oh yeah, I totally know that. Like, used to used to go to these get-togethers for a web group that I was a member of, and after the parties, everybody would go to the Golden Griddle. And yep. eat. <laughs> if you hadn't hooked up yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or hook up after. Or during. Or whatever. At the Golden Griddle, though? I don't know. No, no. Uh... <laughs> I had a girl spill coffee on me though, because she was so nervous sitting next to me. Because she, you know, had a crush on me or whatever. Yeah. It was hilarious. So like, it was a Halloween event. And so I just went in like PVC pants and, you know, my stretchy shirt and all that. Yeah. You know, like, it didn't burn, thank goodness. Shout out to that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha Fraser. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by. And I honestly sincerely hope you come back to me. Sure, me too. So on behalf of Joe and myself, say goodbye. See you next time on Sex and Love.